we want to give kids the confidence that they can build spaces that are welcoming for for literally for all people. That is the point of raising civic-minded socially conscious kids. I want to be in a space where there's people who are different from me because that makes me grow. I want to be a part of creating welcoming spaces. Welcome to Tilt Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber. This week, I'm sitting down with social justice advocate Amber Coleman-Mortley, host of the Let's K-12 Better podcast and blogger at Mom of All Capes, for a conversation about raising kids to be civically minded. I love Amber's optimistic, passionate, and empathetic perspective on the importance of equity and diversity in our civic and personal spaces. And I wanted to share her insight with listeners as I truly believe that combating racism and injustice is not just the pivotal work for our time, but that our differently wired kids can and should play a vital role in this work. In our conversation, we talk about what it means to be civically minded, how parents can set their kids up to be allies and utilize their passions for social justice and why we should then move out of the way while the next generation builds a more just and equitable world. Before I get to my conversation with Amber, I want to welcome new listeners to this podcast. If you are new to Tilt Parenting and you found this podcast while searching for resources to support you on your journey of parenting a neurodivergent child, I have a few other resources I want to be sure you know about. My book, Differently Wired, A Parent's Guide to Raising an Atypical Child with Confidence and Hope, is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook. And in Differently Wired, I share my best practices and practical advice for supporting not just our kids, but ourselves through this journey. And if you're looking to make some quick positive shifts in your day-to-day life, I invite you to do my free Differently Wired 7-Day Challenge. You'll get a short daily video highlighting one actionable thing you can do right away to shift the way you think, feel, and act in relation to your child a downloadable mini workbook, and a private Facebook group. And it's totally free. Just go to tiltparenting.com slash seven day to sign up. That's tiltparenting.com slash seven day. And now here is my conversation with Amber. Hey, Amber, welcome to the podcast. Oh my God, Debbie, you're amazing. I love it. I can't wait. This is going to be awesome. Oh my gosh, that is like the nicest first line I I guess has ever said to me in five years. So thank you for that. And right back to you. I'm very excited about this conversation. So I would love to just generally introduce you to my listeners. So would you just take a few minutes to tell us who you are in the world, you know, as a parent? as a human showing up in your work. Just give us a bit of your story. Yeah, cool. So, hey, world. Um, My name is Amber Coleman-Mortley. My nine to five, I work as the director of social engagement at iCivics. Um, And I do a lot of work elevating diverse voices in the civic space. You know, I work with educators and I work with uh, youth to do this, um, my not nine to five, I spend every other waking moment thinking about um, how civics uh, impacts the lives of marginalized people. 
Um, I also spend a lot of time, I have three daughters, so I've spent a lot of time raising them. Uh, we have a podcast together called the Let's K-12 Better Podcast. Um, I also blog at Mom of All Capes. Um, and so, you know, essentially I just show up in the world as an educator, as a parent, as a supporter of teachers, as a civic enthusiast, as, and I would also say as an anti-racism evangelist. So that's how I kind of show up, you know, in the world. You wear so many hats, like that is a lot of different spaces to be working in. And I love it. Like you have a lot going on and you are definitely my kind of people in that way. So this may seem like a strange question, but can you define civics for us? Yeah. So, you know, I I would say civics is the experience of engaging in your community and building your community in a way that you want your community to be, right? It's more than just knowing how government works. Um, and it's more than about going out and like pushing against systems, um, it's understanding civics is understanding justice and how it impacts people's lives, as well as understanding your responsibility to uphold the agreements that exist between yourself and your neighbor in your community, all the way down to your neighborhood, right? So it's not just big government, but it's also the people that live next door to you and live in your cul-de-sac or live in your um, apartment building. So, and I know that that is a big focus of your work, as you said, is to raise, you know, help parents, um, help all of us raise socially conscious, civically engaged kids. So how do you do that? How does that happen in your work? And how do we, uh, everyone listening to this, step into that work? Yeah. So, you know, I think about just looking at my responsibility as a parent is to make sure that I release upon the world an individual who sees themselves as empowered and who has a responsibility to participate around them, to not disengage, um, to not lose hope, right? Um, but to also see their place in what we call a constitutional democracy. That's what we have. So, you know, my goal as a parent is, you know, once you turn 18 or, you know, whatever age you turn where you're no longer sleeping on my couch and eating my food all the time, you are ready and excited and willing to participate um, in the larger world around you. You, We also, as parents, need to model that behavior. So that requires us to continue to grow in our understanding of what civics is. Um, many of us have not had a quality civic education. Um, many of us do not know how to navigate or have strong media literacy skills. So this is an ongoing uh, familial experience that needs to happen from the moment you have a kid to the moment that you le they leave your home. You guys as a family are going on this journey together. Um, and then when it's done, your kid is ready to engage as a community member. It's not just about me, but it's also about how are my behaviors impacting others. I feel like this is not the way that a lot of people think. As you're explaining this to me, you know, I spent a number of years living in the Netherlands and it was something that really stood out to me so much was how there was this genuine sense of social responsibility that was palpable. Uh, you know, my husband tells a story that he, when we were shopping at Albert Hine, which is a grocery store chain there, he rounded the corner and he slipped because someone had spilled some 
frites sauce and mayonnaise on the floor. And before he had a chance to hit the ground, literally two strangers grabbed a different, you know, one of his elbows and helped him. And he was so gracious. He was just like, Oh my God, thank you. You know, so much Don Cavell. And, and they were like, they looked at him like, whatever, that's just what you do. And there so there was just this whole sense there that I experienced. Um, and it was very noticeable coming from the U S. And so as you're describing this, I feel like this isn't necessarily the way that a lot of people live their lives, I imagine. And so where do you start, you know, in doing this work for people who are listening? How, how do they even assess where they are on that participatory scale? Yeah. So the first thing is, you know, we often feel that you can have, you must either have personal responsibility as your value, right? Where it's like my individualism is extremely important versus, you know, a communal mindset. These are not mutually exclusive um, ideologies to carry out or to cultivate in your home. Um, So that's the first thing, right? Shifting our mindset to understand that, yes, having your own, like, yeah, my rights, my, my responsibilities, my this, my that, that is essential. That is important. But also I am still connected to the group, right? We look, we think about e pluribus unum. There's one in many. Um, We have to think about that in our home. Think about like, okay, I'm on a team. My home is my team right? I have, you know, my parents, I may have siblings, I may have a pet. This is my team. I still am an important, empowered individual, but my contributions help to make this team better. Once we expand that idea out of our home, we look at our neighborhood or our schools that we send our kids to, right? Where again, you're still an important, you're individual, um, you are yourself, you are very important, you are empowered, you are beautiful, but at the same time, you make contributions to the interworkings of that school existing and growing and developing. And then you can expand it even further to your city, your county, your state, and then to this nation. And so I think, you know, for many parents, we really have to let our kids understand. And even we need to humble ourselves to understand that. Think about this. You put the garbage out on the street. Do you take that garbage to the dump? Someone does that, right? When you put a letter in the mail, right? If you still are mailing letters, someone is taking responsibility to distribute the mail to other people, right? So there are systems in place, agreements in place that we have to uphold to keep society going. So we do not want to lean too heavily into I'm the only important thing or my rights are the most important thing. How are my rights working in relationship to the systems that keep our society moving? Hmm. And so, you know, modeling is obviously very important as the, at least up to a certain age, the most influential people in our kids' lives how else can we really grow kids who are civically engaged? Is it, you know, volunteerism? Uh, You know, like, what is it? What does that actually look like? And I'd love to know generally, and then I don't know if there are ways that it would be more specific to differently wired kids, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. So first and foremost, getting involved in your school community is tantamount, right? Like we as parents have to participate in the school community. We can't expect our educators to do everything. That's even down to, you know, if I have a couple hours and want to volunteer sometimes Xeroxing copies for the third grade teacher, then 
that's actually really great, right? The more that we participate and engage in our school communities, um, in our places of worship, um, that right there shows our kids that we as a family value, um, I don't want to say giving our time, right? But spending our time in service to making the making community better, right? Where can I help? So that is the question um, that should guide you. Where can I help? How can I model the where can I help mentality? Um, the second thing is, yes, volunteering, um, but then also thinking about as your kids get older, having conversations that address the inequities for the organizations that you're volunteering for. So if we are volunteering to feed the homeless, we can't just say, you know, homeless people appeared out of thin air. What are the systems in place that created situations for homeless people? You know, how can we address that? How can we learn more about that? Right. If hunger is an issue, what are the systems at play that have people hungry? Right. Not blaming individuals for being hungry. So thinking about that as your kids get older, having real conversations about what's going on in the world. Right. So we really want to make sure that as we're modeling this behavior, we're bringing our kids into conversations about, um, you know, events right? Like current events, what has happened in the news? I spent a lot of time this past year in honest conversation with my kids, you know, not just because I'm a black mom raising black girls, but just in general, like, let's talk about this. How does this make you feel? Um, What are some solutions that you might come up with? And then again, I would say, bringing your kids on the journey with you, what are things that we can do together as a family in our neighborhood to make our neighborhood better? to make our school better. So it's not just I'm doing this and I'm showing you, we're doing this together because this is something that we value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love that, uh, the reminder to look deeper um, into the systems. And as you're saying that, I was remembering uh, the conversation with Cornelius Minor on the parenting in place. And mm-hmm. that really stuck with me because I think, Oftentimes we think, you know, well, we've donated to this or we participated in this or we regularly drop food off. You know, we have a place down the street that is like a community closet. It's an outdoor closet and they um, it's just for dropping off food and uh, school supplies and anything like that. And so that stuff is very visible. Right. But then that reminder that it's so important to really look at the underlying systemic problems and root causes of people who, who are in need or, you know, the, the why behind doing these things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We'll be right back after this quick break. This year, I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body. And so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. 
They're a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long-term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. So in our house these days, Darren and I have been working together to up-level our nutrition and healthy lifestyle habits. Maybe it's our age, our changing bodies, my shifting hormones, whatever the reason, I'm here for it. And that's why I'm loving Green Chef, a meal company that makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Green Chef offers gut-friendly recipes each week and is committed to providing a holistic approach to nutrition by offering meals that contribute to the overall well-being of your entire body. Darren and I are particularly big fans of their nutrient-dense, science-backed gut and brain health recipes, developed in partnership with registered dietitians that improve digestion, reduce bloat, and also boost energy and immunity. This week's favorites, turkey, black bean, and sweet potato chili, and the Baja chicken bowls with mango salsa. I mean, don't those sound delicious? But if that's not your thing, you can choose from a variety of customized meals to suit your lifestyles with preferences like keto, vegan, vegetarian, fast and fit, Mediterranean, gluten-free, and protein-packed. Whatever you choose, you'll get farm-fresh ingredients, organic whole fruits and veggies, and premium proteins, along with chef-crafted, nutritionist-approved recipes delivered straight to your door. Go to greenchef.com slash 60tilt and use code 60tilt to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's 60% off plus 20% off your next two months when you use the code 60TILT at greenchef.com slash 60TILT. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. You talked about building more equitable outcomes, specifically when it comes to raising kids who are not just civically engaged, but anti-racist kids. Can you talk more about that? A lot of my listeners are white um, are concerned uh, and and more engaged in trying to show up better as allies and accomplices or whatever term you want to use. But um, you know, how can we really foster that sense of of equity in our in our kids, our white kids, um, so that they grow up to be anti racist? Yes. Um, so I want to just throw out this misnomer that anti racism is anti whiteness. Right. I think there is a lot in the media that has been pushing people away from anti-racism, specifically pushing white people away from this idea that they can engage in anti-racist work. Right. So I want to throw that out there (laughs) before Mm -hmm. I get started. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, anti-racism is essentially this understanding that one, that racism is a cancerous force in our society that does prevent people from fully participating as a whole and complete person, right? The other part of that is acknowledging the historic impact that our legislation has had on BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, and people of color. Um, You know, right now it's a hot butt issue that people are talking about the, you know, the Chinese Exclusion Act as a piece of legislation as we're looking at the ways in which we've disenfranchised our Asian community, right? Um, We were talking about this summer, like policing uh, within communities of color, specifically Black communities, right? What are the ways that we can address that and change that? So, you know, anti-racism requires us to ask deeper, better, 
more nuanced questions about the ways in which our society is structured. And that requires us to also lean into a ton of discomfort, especially, you know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. especially if we're all like, oh, things are great. Everything's fair. You know, America's pristine and beautiful. It doesn't mean that America is not beautiful if we also acknowledge that that racism is a thing. That's another thing I would love for white parents um, who are a bit nervous about this to lean into, right? That we can still love and appreciate our institutions and still challenge them to do better and to be better. Other things that I would just recommend for white parents is stepping outside of the fear, right? The angst and the centralizing your own experiences. Um, Trying to put ourselves in another person's understanding of their own experience as a human being. Right. So in many ways, when we're looking at, okay, we want to become more anti-racist, we want to push back on the ways in which we're thinking about this society and how it can be um, more equitable for all. That does not mean that we're leaving people behind, specifically white people. We're not leaving anyone behind. In fact, we all need to march together on this journey to move forward because I want to craft this properly. But unfortunately, the outcome of us remaining in the status quo means that our system continues to be broken and that slowly but surely your rights, right, as a white person, no matter where you're at, whether it's class or gender or whatever, your rights as a white person are then also at risk if we do not press forward. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I do want to, you know, bring that uh, forward as well. Mm-hmm. So good. And that that piece about leaning into the discomfort and kind of a default for many people to centralize our own experience is really important to look at. And as you were talking, I'm just thinking about something that's happening within the community that I run. Um, and there have been lots of conversations within the neurodivergent space about whose experience is being centered and making sure that that parents, neurotypical parents raising neurodivergent kids are really leaning into the experience and learning and getting comfortable um, getting called out uh, sometimes by the neurodivergent adults who are sharing and we have so much to learn from. And I think that's just a really important piece that I think so many of us can, can work on is learning how to notice a defensive reaction and lean into the discomfort and know that that is actually where the growth, the opportunities lie. Yeah, the growth and the opportunities definitely are where the discomfort is, right? So if you are not uncomfortable, you're not growing. Yeah. Um, the The other thing is we are all into this idea and mindset of checking off boxes and completing tasks <laughs> and saying, oh, I've done that. I've done that. I've done that. Okay, great. I don't ever have to go back there. I'm good. Um, the thing about leaning into equity work and justice-oriented work and anti-racism work means that this is a cyclical, ongoing experience where you're going to have to bring in stakeholders that you didn't even know existed. There are voices out there that you 
you have never been exposed to that are experiencing continued and historic discomfort. And, you know, not to blame yourself, it's not your fault that they're experiencing it, but you do have a responsibility that once you're aware of that discomfort, that you engage those communities in understanding, you know, here are the rules as they exist right now. What are your pain points based off of these rules? And how can we work together to create a more equitable experience for everyone involved? Yeah. And that just feels like evolution to me. And evolution doesn't end. It is an ongoing process. And and I think it presents so many opportunities, again, for us as the adults and caregivers and educators in our kids' lives to be talking about our discomfort, you know, to be modeling our own journey to learn and, and do more and to keep leaning in into doing that that work. So um super important. I wanted to spend just a few minutes talking about intersectionality. I feel like this is a new term for a lot of people or they're still kind of wrapping their heads around um, what it means. I've done a couple podcast episodes where we've talked about intersectionality of all kinds of different identities, but I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about what that is and why it's really important that we have an understanding of that. Is Again, thinking about this neurodivergent space, because I think obviously there are different experiences of being neurodivergent or autistic or, you know, having these different things depending on the other factors in your life. Yeah, of course. Um, Intersectionality, first of all, deals with how injustice is um, attached to the layers of your identity, right? That's the, that's the most distilled way I can say this. I would say that Kimberly Crenshaw, this is her awesome, I don't even call it a theory, like premise. I don't know the best word for it, but this is her work, her life's work. I would definitely recommend um, every listener to check out her TED Talk um, on intersectionality because she starts the discussion on police brutality and police violence. And we immediately think about Black male bodies, Right. But then we think about, well, Sandra Bland and so many, you know, for me, I go right there, like Sandra Bland or all the way to the most one of the most recent cases with uh, Micaiah Bryant. Right. So like thinking about how do these issues impact not just people of color, not just women. Right. Not just um, LGBTQIA folks or not and non-binary folks or neurodivergent folks. How do they impact a person at their identity on all slices of their identity. So it's not just, you know, if I were to say I'm a cis born um, straight black female, right? Like that's not intersectionality. When you think of intersectionality, it's like, okay, if I go to go to the hospital and deliver a baby, how does my race and gender impact the way in which uh, I may or may not die in childbirth, right? Um, if I go to the bank and try to get a loan, how does my race and my gender and my education level and the class that I'm in and the income that I make impact the kind of loan that I'm going to receive, right? Or if I get service or not, right? So thinking about it in that way, um, I think it's really important for us to always be thinking about the justice in every situation. And so when we think about intersectionality, it's more like what level of justice is an individual experiencing at any point in time um, in their existence. Thank you. 
That was such a clear uh, explanation of intersectionality. And I, I, yeah, really appreciate that. And now my mind is going in all kinds of different directions. Um, I'm hoping also that you're not hearing my daughter practice her clarinet in the background. (laughs) No, I'm not, but I kind of wish I was. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back after this quick break. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone. Our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com slash club. That's tiltparenting.com slash club. I hope to see you on the inside. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. I feel like our kids today are growing up, well, they they are, they're growing up in such a different way than certainly my generation. Uh, I was a kid of the, in the 80s. And there were just so many identity factors that were just not talked about, not discussed openly. Um, and so I'm just kind of wondering, this work to to raise these kids who really who have a strong sense of civics, who have a strong sense of of equity and understanding and and are curious to look at intersectionality and and the systems and the role that they can play. Can you talk a little bit about this generation? I feel like they really are just light years ahead. And I, I feel like there's so much potential for where we could be a generation from now. Yeah, young people are definitely light years ahead. Um, 
I don't know how they got there. I think, well, you know, kudos to parents for leaning into like wanting to raise kids who have empathy, right? But I want to add that young people these days really truly believe that they can make change, right? Even young people who have marginalized identities and are in experiences and in in communities and situations that are extremely disenfranchised, um, they are still having the belief that they are empowered, which is very hopeful. I would say that it is up to adults to move out of the way. I think that parents and educators in many ways and even mentors, you know, we are preparing in our minds as adults and mentors, you know, we're preparing kids for later when in all actuality, we need to shift our understanding and this premise that we're actually giving them the, the skills for right now, right? Um, what is your child passionate about? You know, my daughter, she was passionate about video games. Um, she was passionate about digital blackface. And so I was like, yo, let's lean into that. Like make a video, educate some people. Let's talk about racism on gaming platforms and how we can be better allies in the digital space, right? So, you know, it's like, what is your kid excited about? What are they passionate about? And continue to encourage them to pursue that passion, um, no matter how, and I don't want to say trivial you think it is, but in many ways, like, you know, some parents are like, oh, you just play video games all the time. It's not going anywhere. That's actually the future, right? So as adults, we need to expand and let go of the reins and, you know, just provide our kids with the space to explore, explore their own understanding of the world, explore other people's experiences and understanding of the world um, without the fear that we have that they'll become indoctrinated or um, without this fear that, you know, we're going to lose our child or that they will not adopt our family's values. Um, in many ways, exposing your kids to all of these really beautiful, nuanced ideas lets them become more affirmed in our values, right? And then if our values aren't good and aren't aligned with justice, then it's up to us to then pivot and shift our family values. So yes, kids are excited about changing the future in a way that we've possibly never seen before. They're more connected on digital platforms. Um, they, they're, they know how to use these platforms. They still need wisdom and guidance from adults, but they also need um, leverage to, to use that passion in a way that's productive and can contribute to the society around them. Yeah. And that gets me so excited to think about and with differently wired kids, I, I always say that the future will not be normal because they are kind of natural nonconformists. They, mm-hmm. um, they question everything. And I, it's exciting because I feel like, like the world is going to open up to them a bit as well. And maybe the, the natural gifts that they have or the way that they show up in the world is going to really be a part of all of this change, which is exciting. Absolutely. And I just want to add one more thing that, all of us who are raising kids should be raising them to, as they build the future, right? So some of our kids will be um, leading organizations and some kids will be working at an organization. It doesn't matter where our kid lands. The whole point is that we're raising individuals who can 
then say, I see a person. I'm not making assumptions about this person. I'm allowing this person to show up as they are in this space. Um, I am, I have the skills, the capacity, and even the heart to engage in advocacy if this person can't speak up for themselves or if they can to know when to slide over and let them speak up for themselves. We want to give kids the confidence that they can build spaces that are welcoming for for literally for all people. That is the point of raising civic-minded socially conscious kids. I want to be in a space where there's people who are different from me because that makes me grow. I want to be a part of creating welcoming spaces. Mm, So good. So I know that part of your work involves this type of development in schools and encouraging schools to really cultivate social emotional learning and uh, develop kids who are emotionally intelligent. So obviously there's a lot of opportunity there, maybe even more so now as a result of COVID. But I'm just wondering how can parents help schools uh, move forward with this mission? Yeah. So first of all, I'd say your vote, who you vote for on your school board, right? Um, Who you vote for to represent you in the state legislature and at your county level, that is important. Those people right there, like we believe like, you know, voting for people, it's all about the economy and that's it. Not like what you vote for is what you get, um, period. So the curriculum that's in your schools, what you vote for is what you get. So really understanding that, really scrutinizing your candidates, really, you know, leaning into, you know, if you have the heart to run for school board and you have pedagogical knowledge or you have something to bring to the table that is really awesome, run for school board, right? Like that right there. Um, Or also just attend school board meetings, right? And listen to what's being shared and what's being said. So I think... For us parents, the ways that we support the school is understanding that what we vote for is what we get, period. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think Mm -hmm. we forget (laughs) how important that is, how important that is. Yeah, that's a great reminder. So um, as a way of, well, first of all, I I was going to wrap up, but is there anything that we haven't talked about that you would want to be sure to share with my audience? Yeah, I would say that this work is, um, it's hard work. It's also rewarding. It's in many ways, you might sometimes feel like, you know, there's, I'm going nowhere with this and society looks crazy and bleak and it's wild out here. But at the heart of it, each and every one of us human beings, I feel in my heart wants to do well. We want to do right. Um, we want to do right by each other. We just aren't trained with the skills to be able to do it well, right? We don't, we have the capacity to love other people. We just haven't bought into the principles of why we should be doing it and why it matters so much and why we should be invested in each other outside of just our own kids or our own home or our own community, right? Um, So I just want to encourage people to lean into investing in people that don't look like you or think like you or believe like you or worship like you, right? Or look like you or whatever, or have the same money as you, right? Invest in that because it's very important. Your survival is based on their survival. Hmm. So that's that's what I would say. Let's invest in each other, y'all. Like, come on. (laughs) Such a good message. 
Yes, it's, it's exactly the message for this time in, in the world too. So thank you for that. And um, can you tell us a little bit about your podcast and any other? Also, I kind of love the name Mom of All Capes. Like, let listeners know where they can connect with you and how they can just engage with your with what you're doing in the world. Yes, of course. Thank you so much. Um, so I'm Mom of All Capes. I made the name because you know I was actually a '90s kid. I guess it's a '90s kid. Your '90s was a teen and tween in the '90s. So um, at the time, you had to be a jack of all trades. So I'm mom of all capes because anything that my kids (laughs) need me to be, that's what I become for them. Um, Coming in and swooping in and saving the day, switching capes in and out. You can find me on Twitter. Um, I'm really great there. Instagram, I'm decent. TikTok, sometimesy. Facebook, probably never. Um, And then our podcast, you know, we started about a year ago. And, uh, you know, my kids and I have been talking about all kinds of issues. We model what it's like to have family discussions about um, challenging topics like uh, race, uh, justice. Um, we have topics. We had topics about the, the election. We also bring in experts and teachers um, who also discuss these topics with us on our podcast. Um, so back in March, we brought in four um, Asian uh, American women who are history teachers to talk about how to support the Asian community um, during this time. So I definitely recommend checking that episode out. You can find the Let's K-12 Better podcast on all podcasting platforms. That's Apple to Google to whatever else. And it's just a really, really fun. We're not super consistent. So I'd say every two, one to two weeks, we get an episode out. <laughs> That's episode. pretty consistent as a podcaster that I I appreciate how much goes into releasing shows regularly. And, um, and it's great. So listeners, I will have links to all of Amber's social and I am not on TikTok, but my husband is. So I'll, ch- I'll check you out over there. And that's just, I'm too old, I think for TikTok, but, but I'll share links to all of these resources, including some uh, episodes that I recommend you listen to on the show notes page. And um, Amber, thank you so much. I really just appreciate you and the work that you're doing. It's so important. And you have an infectious um, optimism and enthusiasm that I really appreciate. And I hope everyone listening is feeling as, as charged as I am right now. So thank you so much. Debbie, thank you. And thank you for bringing me to your community. I am honored and just really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. For the show notes for this episode, visit tiltparenting.com slash podcast and search for this conversation. If you like what you heard on today's episode, I would be grateful if you could take a minute to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or a review. Thank you so much for helping us stay visible so people who would benefit from the show can easily find it. If you want to support the show and help me cover the cost of production, please consider joining my Patreon campaign. To support the show, just visit patreon.com slash Tilt Parenting. Lastly, if you aren't already part of the online community at Tilt, I invite you to sign up at tiltparenting.com on the box in the bottom where it says join the revolution. Every Thursday, I send out a short email with a quick note from me, a link to that week's podcast episode, and links to five stories from the news that week that are relevant to parents like us. Again, you can sign up and learn more about Tilt at www.tiltparenting.com. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. 
Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it.